welcome everybody to Translate This. Uh, this is our podcast about language, culture, life, and the... Uh, I just blanked out. The so. hilarious of it all. Yeah. See, that's oh, hilarious yeah. that you blanked yeah. out. I blanked out. Okay. And uh, brought to you by Brevier International, and you can find us on social media too. How can you do that? You Where can find us go? our webpage, translatethis-podcast.com. And you can find us on Facebook at translate.this.podcast and Twitter at translate this underscore P and Instagram at translate this underscore podcast. And what if I'm computer illiterate? You what can't find us. You never rotary find telephone. Us. You, you cannot. Ro- no. Rotary telephone. No, you can't ever find us then. Uh, no, you have, to, uh, you have to call your sister. Mm-hmm. You've got to call your sister <laughs> and your sister has to get it for yeah, you. And then she's got to put it. too much work. Download it onto a CD. <laughs> what's a cd and on blu-ray and then she's CD gonna is. put it on beta if i ask you that what's a cd it's either i'm really old or i'm really young yeah isn't that funny um um like i don't think you're alive if you're too old because my grandma knew what a cd was but it wasn't the same cd it was okay. a certificate of whatever it's called in, in the bank. I thought you were going to like some STD or something. No, no, no. No, a CD, you know, like where you save money. Oh, by the way, speaking of STDs. Oh, God. <laughs> that is not. I'm not speaking about no. it, but you are apparently. No, I was going, I was walking through Corte Inglés. It's a big department store. Yes. It's like Macy's saw, of Spain. Yeah. And I saw um, a line of clothing. That the mark, the brand said STD. No, see, yeah, complete that, STD, oh, literally. That is a translate this faux pas right there, people. That is not okay. That is just like one of those things that we tell you. You know what things things mean in other languages. Yeah. Terrible. What was the brand? Was it a short for it was, an it was acronym? A jacket, but there was like other clothing too. But it was like a it was a brand. Wouldn't STD. you feel dirty wearing that? I mean, if I. Sp- was really good at English. I knew that I'd be embarrassed. Yeah. That's, you know, um, I want to bring up something real quick okay. about Spanish culture. It's just making me freak out now. Okay. Um, this will change, just change the topic a bit. Okay, good. No, no diseases here. Okay. Thank you. Um, something I find fascinating hmm. that I didn't know about, and I lived here before and I didn't realize it when I lived here before, but now I realize it that nobody in Spain or Madrid ever eats anything while they're walking yeah you know that's that's not just here everywhere, everywhere. i think it's a Europe, european thing european because thing. it's same thing happened to us when we lived in Lyon, france uh-huh. people did not walk and eat i i really think that's a great example and it's something to, for me to explore mm-hmm. um but using it as a good example of how much they value eating together you know eating at the table spending time with the family i think that's a small window into that culture yeah. Um, to where you look at Americans and they're like, no time for breakfast, no time right. to sit down right. with your family. I'm going to eat while I move. And um, and you're going to get really obese. Well, I mean, or, or just super multitasking all the time. Or you're yeah. going to have indigestion and an ulcer. Probably. Right, well, no, like because it. no, think about it. That we know globally that when the interjection of, which I don't think, I don't have this, anything to do with your topic, but we're just going to, we're going to talk today. Yeah, no, this is a side topic. But the introduction of fast food and cultures has yeah. increased to the obesity issue in those cultures. Mm-hmm. And so here, even though they have those, they do sit down and mm-hmm. I think they're much more mindful eaters. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think it's a great thing that they don't walk around. Although I do have to admit, I don't mind walking around with something to drink. 
like a coffee yeah. or a water. I don't mind that. Yeah, I mean, I'm eating, I'm having food while I'm walking, and I'm like, that's when I realized it. But I'm like, I'm not gonna stop. Did it make know. you feel weird? No, it made me realize how much I don't really spend time in the, especially in the morning. At right. night, I enjoy sitting and in going out and having a you know formal meal and yeah. enjoying it. In the morning, I feel more rushed, and and I think that's just part of the pattern of the way I work. You know. Okay. Um, I cram a lot of things into the morning. I sometimes go to the gym. I do yoga all before I start working, or some days I'll go, um, you know, do a couple errands or something. Yeah. So it's rushed, um, but I understand why the Spanish people don't do it. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think but it's you, beautiful. But you know that there's uh, there's here, there's also really in the, in the morning, all those errands you're running, they don't really do breakfast here. Yeah, they do yeah. the they do the breakfast the and then they do thing. the eleven o'clock mm-hmm. eat again and then the two o'clock eat but they again. Still they still sit. They do sit. <laughs> yeah, they do sit. So, anyways, that was a side topic. Um, okay. I have a confession to make. All right, confession for episode eight. No, my confession is I don't have one. So yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> skip that. My confession um, section on my research page uh-huh. is blank. Okay. So I don't have one this time. Well, you don't have to have yeah. one every time. I feel pressured. Oh, no. Am I confessing every time? I don't know. No, but... let me see. Last episode was about flying things and robots and stuff. And I, the only thing I think I confessed was that I had a, I had an Ecovac mm-hmm. dingbot. Yeah. That was it. Well, that, that's not that's, really a confession. I guess. It's just funny. I guess times change where confession, you know, was in the little box with the priest and now it's on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody, everybody listen. Come around the microphone. Come around the microphone and come listen to my confession. Welcome to episode eight of Translate This, Richard's Confession. That's why I didn't have one. I was like, it's too much. All right. Too much. All right. Um, So what are you going to talk about today? So I'm super excited. You said you were excited. So it made me really like, woo. I mean, I have to be excited. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Otherwise, that's... I change the subject. But that's me. <laughs> that's me. Um, I'm trying to see. I, I love this dilemma of how to start because I have all these notes, but well, they're not in particular order. But I'm going to just say do it. the title okay. of this topic. It's okay. The New Tsunami of Immigration and Language. Ooh. Yeah. We're going yeah. deep today, people. Deep. I like that political. word. It's very deep. I, I'm a deep person. Yeah, you just are. So you guys know. You very I'm much deep. are. And much but this shallow. is, you know, it's just, I don't know if it's deep. It's like, it's a world topic. It's happening yeah. all over the world. And we're not talking about waves of immigrants. We're talking about whole shifts of populations, you know. Right. Um, we're having, you know, the Syrians, you know, coming through uh, the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. trying to get to Northern Europe. Um, and you have all sorts of people from uh, the continent of Africa. There was a incident where um, 800 young uh, Moroccans all at once yeah. came, all at once, wow. you know, on one boat. Or I don't know how, but they all came at once. And um, Did they get here safely? They did. And then um, they were all processed and sent back. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what they do. And then now we have the huge Haitian. You've seen that in the news. You know, I'm glad you mentioned this because mm-hmm. I almost mentioned this a couple of uh, episodes ago because yeah. it really, I have such complete anger mm-hmm. for what is happening at the Texas border. Yeah. And, you know, there's an expression that Texas 
prides itself in having says don't mess with te- don't mess with Texas. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, people, don't don't do it because that I just I have so many things in my head that mm-hmm. I want to say that are not kind, very unkind things mm-hmm. about Texas right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the abortion law. Oh God, there's a list. The the mounted police border patrol and the mm-hmm. whipping and mm-hmm. treating of intimidation. Mm-hmm. The stacking of cars. They made yeah, a they made a wall of cars. That. I just saw that. Yeah. 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 Per the governor. I'm gonna give I mean, part of my podcast is to help really understand the issue. Let's do that. Um yeah. so then I, I can mean, maybe I, stop being so angry. But you're maybe I'll be angrier. I think your anger comes from compassion. Completely. Right. I'm just I'm so sickened by it. Let's be real about that. It's okay. compassion I do. for I, humanity. I do. And the anger comes um and it could be that they were ill prepared. You know, and it could be that they have a history of, of mistreatment. So we're not going to get into the why they okay. were treated there. We're going to get into the effects on language learning and the language industry, the, Love it. the education. Love it. Um, when we're talking about waves, and I chose to say tsunami, because <laughs> when you say waves, we have waves before of immigrants coming. But this feels like a tsunami, and then I'm not just talking great. about on the Texas border, you know, it's happening all over the world. So I have a question. Okay. I have actually have a few. All right. And it's purely your opinion, not really a quiz. What's the difference between an immigrant and a refugee? Ooh. Oh my gosh. That's so great. Okay. So an immigrant is somebody who has left their home country and chosen to move to a different country. And it's called immigrant when they go into that country. And when they leave their country, it's called emigrate. They emigrate to a new country and they become an immigrant in the new one. A refugee, however, mm-hmm. this is, of course, my opinion here. I don't know. A refugee is somebody who is displaced from their home mm-hmm. due to war, economic mm-hmm. situations, political situation, persecution, and they seek refuge mm-hmm. in another geographic location, hence the word refugee. Did I do it? Yeah. Were you reading that out of a no, dictionary? No, I just pulled that out of my head. Okay. Well, you're, I would say you're cl- really close. Am I close? Um, yeah. And it's probably just some wording. All right. An immigrant is, um, picture of it as an umbrella term. Okay. So a refugee can be under the umbrella of the immigrant. All but right. There are more all specific right. um, factors of a refugee, but an, an immigrant could be for all kinds of reasons. Right. Right. And um, I think they call it an uh, economic immigrant when they come for mainly for economic purposes. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. there's a subcategory for that. But immigrants of immigrants. Oh, yeah, cool. think of it as an umbrella term, mm-hmm. and a refugee is specific due to you know, social or violent, violent, you know, violence or right. political factors. But the refugee status means that they have permission to be there. Ah, okay, um, okay, gotcha. Whether it's short term or long term. Okay. And I have a second question, and okay. this is all leading to but, places. But this is, this is okay, before you ask that question, yeah. I have to ask a clarifying sure, question. Sure. So when we think of people that are on the border, mm-hmm. we think of the refugees. Yeah. Okay, but then technically we're mislabeling them because if they have not arrived to the shores yet, or nor do they have permission, mm-hmm. what are they? They're not refugees then. They are hopeful mm-hmm. refugees? Mm-hmm. Are they hopeful immigrants? What, have, what do we call this them? Is, this is why... This is why I love this. this. is a complicated, very complex yeah. situation. Yeah, you're totally blowing my mind now. You I could have a, you could have let's say a hundred um, people. Let's say people at the yeah. border. Some could be refugees. Some could be just purely economical. Some could be for all kinds of reasons. And so, how does 
our Department of Homeland Security and, and Immigration Services, right. we do all that. Well, it's a case-by-case issue, and it's ha- it happened here in Spain. I saw, I followed about those 800 um, people, uh, Moroccan mm-hmm. young, they're young, like teenagers. Wow. And they were all processed individually to find out because if you pro- if you just group them, be- just because they all came together uh-huh. doesn't mean they all came for the same reason. Okay. And they all might not be Moroccans, you know, so you have to, okay. you, it has to be individual, which can create a huge strain on the system. And now, okay. So, so, so then if they're just sitting at the border, they could legally have the right to enter, but they just haven't been processed yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just blind blind. And that's why you see so many people sitting under that bridge. They're just waiting. They're just waiting to be processed. We don't have the the power, the human power to process them fast enough. Okay. Now, another clarifying question. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that we are in the process of receiving our, our first, uh, global transferee over to our Spanish office here in, in Madrid. So we're transferring a a young man, Mm -hmm. he's leaving Guatemala Mm -hmm. and he's being transferred to the Spanish office here. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So he has a visa Mm -hmm. and his visa is contracted. The contract is between the Guatemala office and the Spanish office. And there's an agreement that Mm -hmm. he's on loan, right? He's an employee on loans coming over. He has a visa with a stamp in it. So Mm -hmm. he just gets on a plane. Mm -hmm. He's arriving next week. He just, he gets on the plane and he comes right over. Right. And they're going to say, oh yeah, there's your visa. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how is it that the people who are at the border, do they not have, I mean, you're saying that there could be people who are legally allowed to enter the country, Mm -hmm. but they're just waiting at the border to be processed. Again, depends on the reason, right? And that's what their job is, is to investigate. Yeah. And how do you believe them? You know, I just read recently that they're allowing pregnant women or women who have babies to stay. Mm -hmm. I don't know what situation that is like long-term or Mm short-term, but it, but there seems to be, I would say it seems to be a lot of chaos and a lot of stress, but that's just the beginning of my topic. Okay. That's the beginning. You had another question for me. Yeah. So the next question is when does a refugee start to be seen as just another immigrant? Well, that's a great question. Because I think that's subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, are you talking like legally or in the eyes of the society? Eyes, eyes of society. Okay. I, eyes even, of society. I can even, tell you. Even eyes of other immigrants. I can tell you. Okay. I can totally tell you. Good. When they put on those Nikes <laughs> and they wear those <laughs> Levi's, we're talking, we're talking, I'm just going to use the U.S. as an example. Okay. When they, when they drop all clothing that looks like clothing from their mm-hmm. home country mm-hmm. and they wear clothing from the United States mm-hmm. when they start driving a pickup truck. You know what I mean? The assimilation yeah. has to happen in the look of the person. Yeah. Uh, I know that that's a horrible thing to say, but it's like putting a costume on. And I think that that's how society is going to be like, oh yeah, you're just another person here because you look like us. I was going to say another barometer is when they complain that their cable got cut off. Yeah, that too. <laughs> when they're walking around with their cell phone, drinking right. um, a Starbucks, and eating a McDonald's hamburger with their Levi's and the mustard drips down on their brand new white Nikes yeah. or yeah. kicks uh-huh. uh, and Converse kicks. What else? What do we wear? What are the shirts that we wear? I don't know. Oh, uh, I don't know. You don't dress like a typical oh. American. so. Oh, thank you. I don't know oh. if that was a, a polo compliment. Maybe. Yeah, it is a compliment. Oh, okay. Uh, a, a polo shirt. Uh-huh. They have some Izod polo shirt or 
something. Okay. Yeah. Wow, you, you, your imagination is going wild. I love it. I'm telling you, I'm it. thinking about what the Americans look like. Okay, so um, I have my third question. Okay. And well, did I get the answer right? Let, did, I, did I get you, the answer right? You, there is no right or wrong. Okay. It's opinion. <laughs> okay. All but right. I'm going to say it's another complex answer. Yeah, it these is. Are, these, this is not a quiz. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Um, you have a very uh, good answer. And, and like I said, there could be people that would say the minute they get there. Because there's just another immigrant that yeah. doesn't speak Love English it. well, you know. Yeah. They get grouped into the stereotype. And that is the major chunk of my topic. Yeah, because what we know <laughs> yeah. is that not everybody, everybody doesn't understand this, mm-hmm. not everybody in the United States speaks English well, mm-hmm. including people who were born and raised there. <sighs> my third question yeah? has to do with that. Okay. Have you heard or met an immigrant that's been... In the, I'm going to say the United States, but it's been in the na- in the home, the country that they're in, yeah, for decades and never learned the official language. So their their host country, their new country, yes. yes. And actually, mm-hmm. that for me has always been a very difficult subject. I love difficult subjects. Okay, let me let me tell you why. Let me yeah. tell you why. I believe mm-hmm. that people should never lose their home culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they're first generation, second generation, I mean, I think that they should celebrate that. However, I do believe in learning the lo- the language of the land. And I, as a person here living in a new mm-hmm. host country, and mm-hmm. when I lived in France, I did the same thing. I did my best to learn French yes. here. I'm doing my best to beef up my Spanish to, yeah. you know, from Latin American to, to European Spanish and to uh, make to make sure that I, I learn those errors that I'm making and and better my Spanish and then and not make those errors again. And I do my best to maintain always speaking Spanish when I'm outside of the house. Because mm-hmm. why? Mm-hmm. When in Rome, man. <laughs> That's why. Good. Thank you. Thank you for that perspective. It's great. And you really brought up something that leads into this multi-layered topic. Yeah. And it's all good. It's all good. Your mom is an immigrant. Yes. My mom is an immigrant. Yes. Okay. We both understand the struggles. We both understand the the being bicultural, multicultural, understanding what they had to achieve and 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 struggle to achieve, right? Going back to my first question. Okay. What is the difference between an immigrant and a refugee? Right. My mother, I'll talk about mine because I okay. know her. Okay. She spent years practicing English before she even came. Yep. And her goal was to come here and hit the ground running. To come to Madrid? Huh? What? She said to come here, to come to uh, Madrid. Where am I? <laughs> call where am I? I'm doing it too. You got to call me out on it. I'm gonna, we got to call each other yeah. here. She's not here. Yeah. In the U.S. Yeah. She wanted to make yeah. it to the U.S. So she practiced for years. It was her goal. I mean, mentality was, this is her dream. I don't know if your mother had the same. My mother did have tutors, but she mm-hmm. had... Uh, she learned Spanish, yeah. but she also had French and English tutors. Mm-hmm. So she was almost perfectly trilingual. <sighs> and yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she has gone back to learning or relearning her French. And mm-hmm. actually she's picked up a lot of Italian too. She's, she's a polyglot for yeah. sure. But, and she, she can have conversations in Portuguese too. Yeah. She's all the romance languages. Right. And, but the thing of it is, is that with, her goals in life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if her initial goal mm-hmm. was to get to the United States. Mm-hmm. When she went to the United States, yeah. she very much enjoyed it. Okay. 
and she loved the opportunity that she had there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she had a, she, let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you even know this. When my mom spent her year as an uh, exchange student mm-hmm. in, in New York, mm-hmm. she met Bobby Kennedy mm-hmm. and she saw the Beatles at Carnegie Hall. Wow. I mean, that's an amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing experience. Yeah. So she got to do some pretty amazing, incredible things. things. Yeah. But she also had mm-hmm. always had a desire to go to Paris, to go mm-hmm. study at the Sorbonne. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know. Beyond, just make it in the U.S., like go beyond that. She go was, to other countries. Yeah, yeah, she was actually thinking about not going to the U.S. She was thinking mm-hmm. about just going straight to Europe and mm-hmm. not not going to the U.S. So her yeah. goal, I think she had a split dream. But yeah. very similar to yours, she wanted to get the heck out of where she was. Well, yeah. I mean, she told me in that era when she was young, women in Japan had very, very few options and careers. And same with my mom. Yeah. So same to this day though, in Guatemala, mm-hmm. I love you, Guatemala, mm-hmm. but still, still, still male dominated. Yeah. Japan still, in, in a way too. Yeah. And, Japan. and just in general, not because mm-hmm. of gender, it's just mm-hmm. limited opportunity. Yeah. Limited opportunity. And it's good to, it's good to hash that out. Yeah. It's really good to hash that out to really understand the spectrum of immigration. Yes. And, we, by talking about our mothers, we really, we really painted a good picture on one side of the spectrum, right? But not the other, exactly. And we're talking about refugees. Mm-hmm. And going back to my second question, okay, which we both alluded to at some point, the refugees get mixed in um, socially with right. all the other immigrants, right. the ones who had practice, right. the ones who were became trilingual. The ones who wanted better opportunities, mm-hmm. who who just wanted to come. Right. I should say had go. Free, they had free agency. Yeah. And so the bulk of my topic is what obstacles do refugees have in learning the host language? Right. Um, and to open that window to understand why some of them don't, mm-hmm. why people spend decades never learning it. Mm-hmm. And it's more than just laziness. And, and people attribute it to laziness or something that is a fault of their personality, right? Yeah, you know, I have heard that so many mm-hmm. times that people are lazy as a uh, yeah. second culture yeah. of what they, the dominant, you know, language of the United States, mm-hmm. which is English. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, I would love to know, and I don't know if you've researched mm-hmm. this, but mm-hmm. we maybe think about this for another topic. Yeah. Maybe it's part two of your, because I love this topic, yeah. is how immigrants in Europe and particularly in Spain mm-hmm how they're received. If, are they looked upon as being lazy? Is this a mm-hmm. global issue mm-hmm. where the different host cultures mm-hmm. will look upon immigrants and mm-hmm. refugees as being lazy if they don't learn the language and assimilate? Or is it yeah. just a U.S. thing? Well, the, the laziness stereotype, yeah. that's, uh, I think that's, a, to me, that's a byproduct. That's sort of the result okay. of the reality. And when you see someone at face value on the street mm-hmm. and they've been there for some reason you found out that they've been in living in your host country for decades and they still can't speak to you then the perception is going to be well this person is lazy or this person doesn't mm-hmm. want to integrate or this person doesn't respect our culture and they don't want to assimilate all the reasons yeah. to fan the flames of nationalism yes completely um, you know what I mean? part of it all yeah. there's nationalism yeah. and this is where i'm I'm leading us to, okay. Okay. and the bulk. Um, this part of the topic is, what are the obstacles? Okay. Okay. And I want to share my sources, kind of upfront. Mm-hmm. So if people want to look it up, they can. 
Always good. We love yep. our sources. I'm not promoting the BBC. I'm not a fan of BBC, but God. they did make a, I know. I, I like BBC. Guardians better. Go Guardian. No, I know, but I, I mean, okay. Well, we can talk um, about that later. We can talk about that later. Later. Privately with no microphones. They yeah. could be yeah, listening yeah. to us right now. Yeah. Um, BBC. See, I plugged them. Uh, BBC documentary. Uh, it's actually a documentary. I, I like to say audio documentary. It's a podcast, but it's really audio documentary. And a reporter went to Germany and wanted to find out how the uh, recent Syrian immigrants were learning German. And I really picked this one for many reasons to to listen to and to use as a source because how many how many Syrians do you think two years before the war started said, I want to learn German? Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. I, I want to learn German so I can have a better opportunity and and you know have a career, right? No, no, a lot no, of no, these a lot of these people uh, learned English. You know, that was yeah. their second language and they yeah. speak it well. Yeah. Um, which which luckily can transfer to German. They're very, mm-hmm. very, very fortunate that at least they had English because German or English is made of French and German, right? Mm-hmm. So so there'll probably be some transference of language from one to the other because there's mm-hmm. nothing from Arabic to German. Yeah. Arabic is definitely mm-hmm. Spanish. You can you can yeah. get a lot there's a lot of Arabic words in Spanish. So yeah. there is some of that. Well, a couple. You'd be if you watch watch listen to the documentary, you'll be surprised to hear their struggles. Um, wow. Some who learned English, yeah, who cannot learn it. And you you write in a way the structure. You know, I've seen German words that look like English words, right? right? So yeah, I get that. But again, this goes deeper into my topic because it's not just like that's one obstacle that mm-hmm. the language that you're trying to learn has nothing to do with your own. That right. is one that's obstacle. Definitely an obstacle. That's one obstacle. But to give, um, to give some color into what's going on in Germany, they had a recent tsunami of immigrants um, from Syria mm-hmm. and which they allowed, the government allowed 80,000 in a course of, I think a year, maybe yeah. 80,000 uh, refugees all at once into one country. Imagine yeah. the strain. Yeah. The strain of and, the, and you, the surfaces. You know that Germany was applauded for doing so. Let's yeah. give a shout out to Germany right now, yeah. Deutschland, because you know why? Because mm-hmm. the rest of Europe didn't do it. Yeah. They took far less. Mm-hmm. And the Mediterranean countries in particular were just, especially Italy and, and Greece, they're like, we've had it. We've had, we're done. We've, we've taken so many, but in my opinion, yeah. everything I've read, mm-hmm. Italy and Greece for decades mm-hmm. didn't give them papers. Yeah. They would let them be there mm-hmm. illegally is quote unquote, you know, yeah. no humans illegal, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they would just let them reside in the country, yeah. but they wouldn't give them the options to work. They wouldn't get them work visas. They just were there. So there had no, they had very limited futures, mm-hmm. but Germany, mm-hmm. applaud Germany, Angela I, Merkel. I love yeah. you. And I'm sad you're leaving. Yeah your position, but she brought them in. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, you correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. This is, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. didn't she, they, she mm-hmm. gave them full, she, it was her full was visas. Her. She, she's the one that allowed, but it. she gave them full like work visas. You can go to school every right as, again, a, as a citizen. Yeah. Again, they did case by case and that's what created awesome. the strain, but it's a, always a case by case issue in which everyone has different needs, different um, situations. Yeah. Some that want to go back. 
you know, and some that want to stay. So they, they're not going to make someone stay forever if they want to go back. So case by case creates a strain. My take on it. And I, and I applaud your, you again, you have so much compassion. That's why I love you. I do. I I love your compassion. I love people. I love people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I look at it a little, I took a second step. Yeah. I say, bring them in. If you can guarantee that these people can build a productive life that's, in that country. That's my point. Yeah. That's okay. my point. And producer Lauren is, is giving me a note producer, in my ear. Hi, producer, hi, producer Lauren. Lauren. We love you. you She's doing? our stat lady today. She's going to give us some stats. Lay them on us. What are they? The number of Syrians in Germany as of March 2021 is 800,000 people. And from 2008 to 2015, that's, there was uh, a, a seven yeah. years. The yeah. Syrian war. So, so then, that's a tsunami. I mean, it's a long a period of time, but. 800,000 people, yeah. Richard, realized yeah. is just, is just Syrians, just Syrians yeah. is larger yeah. than the population of some of the small, big cities, cities of the yeah. United yeah, States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 800,000. Yeah, that's a lot of people. And then the other stat she's letting us know that um, in 2020, 1.2 million refugees in total they took in. I hear an echo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot, but but not just Syrians, yeah. but everyone they and, like from all over the world that were trying to come in. That was Germany yeah. pulling them in. One point two million. I do, and, and, I get that. And ha- and yeah. I'm going to ask producer yeah. Lauren to give us the population of Germany in general because mm-hmm. uh, that's a lot. Because it's a lot. There's just for people to understand. Yeah. Uh, Spain mm-hmm. has a population of over forty million people, just like a like forty two, forty three million people, okay. something like that. So there's 83 million, she's letting me know, uh, people in Germany. Okay. So if you're bringing in one point, so that's, you know, that's significant. That's like, it's it's major. Yeah. It's more than 10% of your population you're bringing in. So, I mean, that's, isn't that right? No. 1%, sorry. No, it's like two. 2%. Maybe 1.8. Yeah. 1.8, almost 2%. Sorry. Sorry. I had my my zero off. That's 10%. Anyway, but still, zero. that's a lot. That's a lot, though. Even yeah. at 2%, that is a huge in, population in gain. In yeah. Seven, yeah. And, and I, I, like I said, again, your, your compassion is what needs, what needs to be understood. Well, let, we let, have, we, I have compassion. This is how I am more skeptical. And this is why my topic is the topic. Right. Is that, first of all, number one, after... Um, listening to that Germany is doing everything possible. Yes. Everything possible to accommodate them. Yes. And that's why I, that's where I applaud. Me too. Allowing them in is one thing. Yes. But not just creating this, they already have a, a, right. a immigration system, mm-hmm. but to, they probably have to double or triple that, you yes. know, the funding. Yes. So that to, to accommodate them and then give them opportunities to work, mm-hmm. to learn the language. Yeah. Because if you don't, you know, what's going to happen. The opposite. Exactly. The opposite. We're going to have nationalism. They're going to yep. rise in neo-Nazis. They're going oh. to want them to, to kick them out. You mean wanna... the United States? Uh, where's that country? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Charlottesville? Yeah, yeah. And there you go. There you go. We have so many examples and of, of people um, coming into a host country yeah. with obstacles. And that's the key word for my topic. Right. What are the obstacles? Okay. Do you know how many times I was afraid for my mom these last few years mm-hmm. that somebody would hear her speak mm-hmm. and tell her to go home yeah. to her country yeah. and 
the complete ignorance that mm-hmm. they would not understand that that the United States is her home country because mm-hmm. she's lived there technically yeah. longer mm-hmm. in her lifespan, physically yeah. longer. She yeah. left her quote unquote home country of Guatemala at the age of 21 mm-hmm. of which she had already yeah. lived a whole year out of. Right. So she had 20 years in Guatemala mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now she is in her seventies. Mm-hmm. So 56 years living in the United States yeah. versus 20 and still, and still has an accent and still like being treated here, don't belong and here. you don't it's belong here. Unreal. The, the feeling of that. Right. It, um, and then the fact that, you know, the United States we're talking about a country yes. where it's, you know, native Americans, it makes me cry. immigrants it makes from me the cry. beginning. Right. Yeah. So, um, and, and just to clarify, just mm-hmm. to clarify for all of our listeners, mm-hmm. you and I chose to live here like producer Lauren. I was talking about Madrid. About Madrid. Mm-hmm. We chose to live in Spain for many reasons. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just to shit on the United States and say, no. you know, the big F you I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. It was because there were economic opportunities. Yeah. There were cultural things that we felt very comfortable in mm-hmm. living in. And honestly, this is, you know, where you, especially, I mean, for producer mm-hmm. Lauren, she's too young to make this decision, but you and, and my husband mm-hmm. and I, we talked about this is where we want to retire. This mm-hmm. is where we ultimately wanted to reside. Yeah. And yeah, and producer Lauren's, her very serious mm-hmm. relationship. I, I, I don't want to label these things now with the young ones. You don't want to, I'm like, but her boyfriend uh, slash almost fiance, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you want to call him. Her, her partner. That's a better word. Her partner. Again, you know, I'm showing how old I am here. He can't even mm-hmm. get into the United States yeah. to visit mm-hmm. because the American embassy mm-hmm. will not give him a visitor's visa, even though he's held one in the past, mm-hmm. has no criminal record, mm-hmm. won't allow him to do so because he doesn't own property in Guatemala, doesn't have a wife, doesn't have kids. Mm-hmm. So they feel that he's a threat to mm-hmm. not ever going back if they let him into the United States to visit. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Yeah. So he can't. So when he is going to fly from Guatemala mm-hmm. to Spain to visit her, he cannot take flights that that have a layover in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He, by the way, he's coming to live here. So first of all, Open Learn is a website, but it's also an online university. Oh. They gave me some stats. Okay. And um. And of course, I've gotten the information from the documentary. Uh-huh. And there's another website called IZA World of Labor. Um, and it's a data-driven website on world labor markets. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I compiled it all. So I can't tell you exactly where exa- things came from. But it's yeah. from those three. Yeah, that's fine. What are the obstacles? Yeah. What are the obstacles? So number one, trauma, PTSD. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I thought about that immediately. Um, can you, is it easy to learn a language with PTSD and no, trauma? I don't think so. No? Okay. Um, I never tried. I don't consider myself having a, a trauma of losing my land, um, possibly having family members killed. No. Nope. PTSD, again, is a, is a medical psychological condition in which treatment, you know, needs to be considered. And yet the... PTSD, trying to learn another language. Okay, yeah. that's an obstacle, right? Yeah. My my mom didn't have that. You know? No. I don't know about your mom. No. I mean, granted, yeah. she she did go through a possible coup in yeah. the United States, yeah. or in the United States, in Guatemala, uh, from caused by the United States is what uh-huh. I was trying to say. 
there was definitely that going on. Mm-hmm. There was definitely some, uh, a lot of, of problems, but I mean, you're, you talked about how your mother, uh, had uh-huh. lived through the second world war. Yeah. So, you know, there's definitely, there's trauma, but it didn't override their, their mm-hmm. being. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like the focus immediately right. of them coming over. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we don't want to downplay. No. But can anything. you imagine somebody from Syria going straight from the war right mm-hmm. into Germany where everything's calm? And that's that's why I like I wanted and, and the Haitians are gonna be the same thing. Exactly. The Haitians coming over, they speak God uh, their French, Creole French, I yep. believe, right? And they're gonna Well it's they Creole. Were planning yeah. on learning English. Yeah. Most yeah. of them no. No. Never well, thought they would be there in the first place. Right. Right. So that is and then I also added under that separated family. Regardless of Completely. PTSD. You are separated from your family. But not by your choice. Yes. These people did not choose to leave their families. Yes. They were taken and you're going away now. Yes. Because you're going to survive. Right. Next obstacle, which you have brought up, um, English is radically different from their own. And to help some listeners understand about Latin American immigrants, and that's an umbrella term. Yeah. There's a lot of indigenous people that right. barely speak Spanish. Exactly. And their system of language is radically different. If you said, oh, I speak Spanish, maybe it's easier to learn English versus an indigenous language. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them don't barely speak any Spanish. Exactly. They're from the countryside. Exactly. And so that's a struggle. Yep. Right. Some have an illiteracy, have illiteracy from their home country. Right. They've never learned to read in their own home country. And now they go into a, an, a classroom of their home, their right, host country. Right. And is, is it going to be the same easiness yeah. uh, that our parent, our mothers had? I'll no. take it one step further. Sure. I, I knew a professor who taught uh, refugee communities coming from Africa where mm. the students had never held pencils. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they had to learn how to hold one. They had to learn like, yeah, yeah the dexterity of holding a pencil mm-hmm. that we just take for granted in our systems. Yeah. Right. So imagine that. And then on top of that, how technology, mm-hmm. keyboarding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Here's another one. And I, I added this in. All right. Shh, don't tell anybody. Okay. No, don't I did this in because of all of my years of teaching yep. um, high school and uh, adult ed mm-hmm. also. Yep. Is teacher training or lack of teacher training. Yes. So. Good job. You're, let's say you're an American. Yep. Just typical American. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea where these people come from, what right. kind of trauma they had, right. all of their challenges. And mm-hmm. you are now going to teach them yep. in a very, maybe very uh, rote way, very traditional, antiquated yep. way. Yep. You haven't been trained well. You have no idea what their psychological or cultural challenges are. You do not hold what I hold, which is a master's in teaching. Mm-hmm. So see, this is this is the big beef I have with yeah. that. Yeah. And God love the um, societies and the NGOs that mm-hmm. go out there and, and try to help. Yeah. But, oh, I, I know that producer Lauren had a friend oh. who joined an organization, an NGO that went overseas mm-hmm. uh, and they were over in Africa Yeah. and they taught English. Mm-hmm. And, and this young man was not a teacher, mm-hmm. had not gone to school to be a teacher. Yeah. Didn't understand how to teach. Yeah. See, this is the thing I think people don't understand. You can't just, anybody cannot just teach. Yeah. You have to know methodology mm-hmm. on how to teach. That's mm-hmm. why they teach it to you in university. Yeah. So you know how to freaking teach a person mm-hmm. because like you said, yeah. you put these un, you know, unqualified mm-hmm. people or people who are, don't, are, are not capable of understanding the, mm-hmm. the struggles of their learners. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
That's want, a big thing. I want to bring up a, a story that I uh, heard when I was a young teacher in the early 90s in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. There was a wave of refugees from El Salvador. Yeah. There was a war there. And uh, I had a colleague that told me that they he had a, lar- a large amount of Salvadorian refugee kids. Kids. And every time they heard a helicopter fly by, they hid under their desk. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, in Los Angeles. See, I'd be crying at that point. Yeah, this is something that teachers are not prepared for. No. They might not be trained for students, whether they're adults or children, when they when they see that their teacher can't connect. Yeah. How are they supposed to learn the language? Yeah, exactly. You know, how they If there's no compassion towards that right. or, or empathy. Right. Another one, which is... When I was young, it, I didn't even think twice about it, but mm. plain hangman. Oh, my gosh. Right? Kids. Do they, I don't even think that you can do that anymore in a school. I, yeah, I think it's just think, part of cancel culture yeah, for sure. Because of our history in oh, the yeah. United States. Yeah. Well, cool. um, yeah. don't get me started <laughs> singing Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit. Yeah, Strange Fruit. But kids may have seen that in their home country. Yeah. Maybe their father, maybe their parents, maybe somebody they oh know being gosh. hung. Of course. Well, not even are, somebody they don't know. I mean, yeah. just randomly see people yeah. hung because of, you know, war, yeah. right? And so a perfectly motivated student such as your mother or my mother mm-hmm. could have been so uh, motivated to learn. Right. But with these traumas and with and, and then the lack of training, yeah. how do we expect them to really achieve with so many obstacles? And, right. and there's always, the you know, a few. Mm-hmm. There's always a few that do. And then we mm-hmm. look at them and say, look, they did it. So everybody else can do it. Of course. But that's not reality. That's not, no, it's not that's the reality. Not the humanity that we are. Right? I like what you said about Germany, about yeah. you saying how yeah. it's doing it the right way, the support system. Yeah. yeah. And that's my argument about all of that. But well, see, that's my problem here. Yeah. And I'm just going to be, I'm going to let all the people know, mm-hmm. and this is going to make any sense to anyone out yeah. there listening. I don't believe in borders. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally don't believe in borders. I think mm-hmm. we should be one global economy. Mm-hmm. Everybody should have the playing field. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Leveled. Mm-hmm. Everyone should have health care. Right. And education. Right. As a result of this global economy, mm-hmm. you can maintain cultural yeah. borders. Yeah. In this area, we speak this mm-hmm. and we do these traditions. And you can maintain, and there's a difference between political and mm-hmm. cultural borders. Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of having and maintaining cultural borders because mm-hmm. I think it's really important to maintain identity. Mm-hmm. But as far as political economic borders, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I would love to blow that all up mm-hmm. and just abolish it yeah. and allow people to live under one, one economy mm-hmm. and, and one uh, political system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it would be like a big tribunal where everybody got mm-hmm. to vote mm-hmm. in and it would be bigger than any of us. So it'd be like a, a very, it would be like the Cherokee system. Oh, yes. There, yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or mm-hmm. no, or better. No, mm-hmm. no, not better, but uh, similar right. is the uh, Algonquins, the mm-hmm. yeah, the the, the Oneidas. They, you know, the whole Michigan, Lake Michigan area. No, upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole, and I'm kind of like, here I am living in upstate. Oh, I no. can't think about I'm it like, right now. Yeah, but the native that. peoples from that area yeah. that contributed to yeah. the writing of the constitution mm-hmm. and, you know, and oh, the, the dec- five tribes, the five tribes, the, five the, tribes the, Oneidas, were, the Algonquins, the, um, which I said was like <sighs> Michigan not, area. Of course, no, there was no Michigan back then. No, but it was, it was all Northeast. It was all Northeast. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. But, yeah, a they, no, but I know. I read Isn't that. the Oneida Nation? Um, yeah. Anyway. 
maybe i'm not i'm no expert here right here i'm yeah, not yeah, yeah. however i do know the five tribes had um inspired inspired the immigrants from europe they to did. create the u.s constitution they did i hope people if they didn't know that go check it out yeah. don't take it don't take my word for it um but thanks for bringing that up yeah 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 but that's um, what i think about it oh i have more obstacles okay i know you always have something up your sleeve there yes. sorry go ahead i've got to do it the five the mohawk the oneida the onondaga the cayuga and the seneca the nice. iroquois nation Yes. On the tip of my tongue. Sorry, I had to get that in there. Yeah, of course. Okay. Good job Googling. Thanks to Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, producer Lauren. I'm sorry. Skipped one. Terrible living conditions. Oh, gosh. Again, yeah. yeah. Um, that's the, the responsibility of a country. If you allow yeah. them in, yeah. make sure that they and their kids have the opportunity to succeed and to right. integrate. And, um, Don't stick them in, a, in ghetto housing. Yeah, and don't like literally the word ghetto housing. Yeah, not yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Some other countries, I won't say the name, but like that, put them way out in the suburbs. I was so isolated from yeah. jobs and everything that they they so, they feel isolated. They don't they feel like they don't belong. Right. They don't. They feel like, well, why are we here in the first place? And mm-hmm. then it bring crime, drugs, um, fanaticism, yep. Yep. terrorism. You know. Yep. All of that. So a country has a responsibility. If you allow them in, that's all. That's exactly. how I look at it, right? Exactly. If you allow five hundred, take care of them. If you yep. allow ten thousand, yep. take care of them. Right? Well, you know, you've got the suburbs of Paris facing the same problem. Well, I, like I said, I didn't bring any names. I'm up. just going to name it. Oh, okay. I don't care. <laughs> it's widely known. Yeah, older refugees versus younger refugees. Oh gosh, yeah. Right there, oh, yeah. you know, look at uh, the statistics on learning another language when you're older is harder. Um, the development of the brain has has slowed, so yep. it's harder for it's, older. But it's not impossible out there, language no, learners. Heck no, it's not impossible. Take my class. Take yeah, take, take Richard's class. class. You're gonna learn a lot. Yeah, it's it's harder, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible, right. but it, yeah, you have more to transfer over. So actually, mm-hmm. you have an advantage because you have a higher developed vocabulary to transfer into that next language. But you just process slower, like a computer. Yes. Your hard drive's full. <laughs> Your memory's not enough. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. You're welcome. This one alludes to what you mentioned before. Outside of the class mm-hmm. of learning a language in mm-hmm. a classroom, a lot of people, uh, immigrants, mm-hmm. have a hard time connecting on a friendship level with um, natives or right. host family citizens. Right. Culture, fear, you know, isolation, alienation, discrimination. Let me talk about you right here. You've lived in seven some countries, mm-hmm. and when you go, you get involved with local activities. That I have, I have a formula, you know, oh. and I, and I force myself to, but I, but you, I don't, but you have, what my yeah. point is uh-huh. you have the choice. You weren't, you were not forced to live in those seven countries. You mm-hmm. chose to live in them yeah. and, uh, you know, you were born into one of them mm-hmm. and then you had a choice to either not do it or to do it, but mm-hmm. you weren't showing up with PTSD coming from a worn torn country, feeling lesser than, mm-hmm intimidated by, yeah. you know, let's yes. put all those negative things out there. And so you successfully, mm-hmm. you go into every country and you always make these friends. You have friends from everywhere. We've always admired that about oh, you. Thank you. Like you just easily make friends. Whereas mm-hmm. other people, and this is one of the big issues with inpats and expats mm-hmm. in, in patriots and expatriates, mm-hmm. right? So we're expatriates from the United States. We're living here over, yeah. over here in Madrid, uh, in Spain. And it's harder 
if you don't if you don't mix with the locals. Yeah. So you always find the way to mix with the locals or find the the mixing groups that are half expats and half locals. Yeah. That helps a lot. Mm-hmm. But these people who are have no support mm-hmm. who have just come over. Mm-hmm. They, they're not like in the mindset of, hey, let's go mingle and have martinis with yeah. the guy next door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And thank you for bringing that up. On top of that discrimination, if you're being looked at. Yep. And that's, that's the problem. The whole, that second question I gave you, if yeah. when do you become an immigrant when you're a refugee in the eyes of others, it could be that next day. Right. And everybody looks at you, oh, you're one of those people, but they're not one of those people. They're a refugee, but they look at them like they've been there for 20 years and they don't yeah. integrate and they, yeah. and they look at them the same way or with disdain. Mm-hmm. How is someone supposed to make friends? So and here's, here's one too. Um, shout out to all the mothers. Yay! Uh, mothers all who stay breeders. home. <laughs> did you say breeder? Yes, I did. No, I have a different image now. Thanks, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> all you breeders out there. Mothers who stay at home to take care of the children, which, you know, is basic, basic Tr- needs for children, learn much less. And, and all the isolation factors tied in someone who has to raise kids is at a disadvantage. Right. How can they take classes? Mm-hmm. You know, when do they have time? That's because the government needs to give everybody free health care and daycare. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even bring up the obstacles of like working jobs and, and commuting and family, yeah. you know, all that that's a given. I think most people would figure that out, but I, some people don't understand what really goes on with refugees. Well, particular. what if you come from a country that you didn't commute, and all of a sudden you're on a train commuting daily mm-hmm. to get from point A to B? Yeah. Uh, there is a there's a movie called Je t'aime Paris, mm-hmm. uh, a famous movie. I think it's almost God. It's got to be twenty years old now. Uh-huh. And there's a an immigrant story yeah. in there. Yeah. Did you see that film? No, it's a it's so. it's a whole bunch of vignettes by all these different directors, mm-hmm. and one of the vignettes was about a, a woman mm-hmm. leaving her child in daycare mm-hmm. early, early, early in the morning, yeah. infant, wow, and then getting on the trains in yeah. Paris, yeah. and going all over like a, an hour or so yeah. to reach another lady uh-huh. to tear for her infant during the day. <laughs> That's a great storyline. It was line. heartbreaking. Yeah, that's a that's a great storyline to show the difficulty and the, and the irony. Yeah, the 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 rage. Um, but to come from a country where it wasn't even thought of to leave your baby yeah behind exactly. You know? Thank you for that. Yeah, no, no, it's, no it's just these are great great examples. I thank you for um interjecting because that's what the, that's, what that's I why do. there's two people here. Politely yeah. thanking me for interrupting him every five seconds. Oh, that's fine. You know. <laughs> I'm bad uh, with, I make too many jokes on your episodes. No, not at all. No. Hey, you know what? We're in it together. We're in it together. All right. So am I coming up with, this is a bad question and it's a rhetorical question. (laughs) You just already frame it. This is bad. It's a bad and rhetorical question. Are these all excuses to learn? Damn it. You got (laughs) to learn anyways. You're here in my country. You better speak English. Damn it. That's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what it yeah. sounds like. To but you. you know what? Immigrants say that to other immigrants. I know they do. Yeah. You know why? Mm. Yeah, I know why. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, no. Okay, I'm going to guess. I was asking, oh. do you know why? I'm going to guess. I think it's because of the shaming thing. You, I think continue. it's shaming other immigrants. Mm-hmm. And I think in particular, let's go back to Texas. Mm-hmm. 
there are Latinos blocking the immigration mm-hmm. of other Latinos mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for this reason. Yeah, and I, I hope that this topic um, helps people understand the situation. Yeah. The word immigrant is an umbrella term. Yes, it is. And even immigrants don't even understand that what I just said, all the obstacles that they didn't have. If they had some of those obstacles, they would understand why refugees are suffering or other immigrants. We don't even know. How are you going to go walk up to something? Are you a refugee? (laughs) Can you imagine? You have no idea. You have no idea what they've suffered. But I also brought this up as a question of like, are these excuses? No, they're very good reasons. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to tie this all together Yeah. to say that what I had to do as a high school language teacher mm-hmm. in the United States mm-hmm. was to accommodate all those students. Yeah. I've, had, I've had students with trauma. Shout out to all public educators in Thank multi-diverse you. You know, classrooms, yeah. multicultural classrooms. Yeah. Shout out yeah. because you have the hardest job in the whole freaking world. I think it's not understood. No, it's sorry. not understood. It's it's um, take out the textbook, read page ten, chapter two, yeah. quiz, no. test, grade, and when all of those obstacles that I brought up, more than half of those are things that that I or other teachers deal with on yeah. a daily basis, yeah. and not just immigrants, no. but children from broken homes, right. you know, from systemic racism, from yep. all kinds of reasons. Can I give what? my can I give my confession time? Oh yeah, but let me just finish my point. Mm-hmm. I wanted to end on a positive point. Okay, well then that... mine mine was a confession about how I had to learn in Spanish and and what I'm all of. So maybe we'll save it for another time. Oh no, I think it, uh, you're laughing, so it sounds like funny. No, it wasn't. It oh. wasn't funny at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, w- with the positivity I want to bring to that okay. was I had spent a number of years, yeah, learning my craft to improve my method of teaching yes, so that they could learn even if they had trauma, even if they had obstacles. And I get the focus, the, the focus, the spotlight, I want yeah. to put it on is sufficient and if an effective teacher training that goes to languages so that they can learn even though they have these obstacles. You've nailed it. You've oh, nailed you. it. And that is exactly what has to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm so proud of you right now oh, for promoting that because I don't think that people understand how how incredibly important it all begins in the classroom, mm-hmm. especially with the wave of people coming into different countries. We can go back to Hull House, mm-hmm. Adams Hull House back in the you know 20th century and and the immigrants of New York City and uh-huh. and actually that was Chicago I think, okay. uh, and and the whole point of having empathetic and mm-hmm. and like a sociology, psychology, mm-hmm. anthropology type of liberal studies background mm-hmm. of an educator to understand the cultural aspects of everything. Mm-hmm. I think that's hugely important. Mm-hmm. I am going to share my story. I'm going to share. share my I'm going to share it because actually it's going to end on a positive note. Great. I, as you know, I also taught and I taught mostly mm-hmm. underserved communities. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't, I maybe had one class out of all of the eight, I talked eight years in the, in the, just mm-hmm. the public system, not as long as you did, but, but it's a lot of time, still a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And the majority of my students were underprivileged for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the things that um, I wanted to make sure that I did Mm -hmm. when I became an educator was exactly what you talked about. Mm -hmm. Understand my students Mm -hmm. to help them learn Mm -hmm. versus necessarily learn the content that I was teaching. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that the students learned how to learn Mm -hmm. because when I was in sixth grade Mm -hmm. and my parents moved me to Guatemala, they left me with my family that spoke no English Mm -hmm. and left me for six weeks. Little did I know this was the beginning of the divorce of my parents. So I was left with my aunt and uncle Mm -hmm. and their kids. And there was all, and I was an only child, as I mentioned before. And I was dropped into a home with six boys and a girl. So all of a sudden I was just, it it just, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I had all these siblings Mm -hmm. and then I had all, and then I was put in a bilingual school. Mm -hmm. They didn't put me in the American school. My mom had an option, but she says, no, I'm going to put you in a regular school. You're going to be here in Guatemala. You should be on the same you, on the same cycle in mm-hmm. the same year as the kids here. I don't want you on the American yeah. uh, school year because it's different. Yeah. I, which I wish she had, and I wish she didn't at the same time, mm-hmm. but they put me in a school that accepted me and they put me half the day in sixth grade English and half the day in second grade Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I had to sit in second grade Spanish yeah. with second graders wow. as a sixth grader. And mm-hmm. then I had to perform in mm-hmm. the school functions and plays with the second graders. Wow. So how did, I was, how, I mean, what, were, what was going through your mind? I was depressed. First of yeah. all, I was uh, highly depressed. Yeah. Um, I gained 20 pounds that wow. year as an wow. adolescent. Sixth grade though, too. It was I, horrible. I taught sixth grade a little bit. Um, it's, it's a tough year for tough women in, in particular because yes. that's usually the time they start menstruating, yes. which was puberty. puberty was happening to me puberty right there. Puberty all around. Oh my God. So I had all of that going no. on. I didn't speak the language. Right. Um, I obviously had left California being one of the cooler kids to going to being the rejected nerd person as they, you know, all the mm-hmm. cruel things people call, you know, people, uh, I was completely rejected yeah. and, uh, and I had no friends Yeah, and it was a year of hell. Yeah. And so when I got back to the United States, mm-hmm. I felt so much better, but yeah. I always remembered that lesson yeah. of what it was like mm-hmm. to be an immigrant, mm-hmm. to not be accepted to oh. not know how to be taught to mm-hmm. learn mm-hmm. and not give any no one gave me empathy i it was it was absolutely yeah. horrible yes and i'm pretty sure that the english teacher that i had for mm-hmm. half the day wasn't really a teacher who yeah. was just a hippie that him to speak english because mm-hmm. he dressed like a hippie okay. had long hair like a hippie and this was 1977 so okay. um i think he just happened to be an american were, that got a 1977 job weren't they just being pretend hippie no, yeah, they're pretend hippies, but they were the ones that had left I'm and then kidding. kept down there. I don't, don't know. Don't get hate mail. Don't, don't give know. us hate mail. I don't know. But but my point is going back to your point to yeah. spin this into a positive. Yeah. It made me the the person I am now. It made mm-hmm. me more resilient. Mm-hmm. And I think that I was lucky enough mm-hmm. to then take that and put it in my teaching methodology the same yeah. way you have understood mm-hmm. that is necessary and yeah. you perfected that methodology, which is why you're an amazing instructor Thank you. with all of your people because you have, you teach people from all over the world that have struggled to mm. learn English Yes, and they are embarrassed for one reason or another. I don't think they're good enough. And that, that's not that different than when we teach people that have yeah. layers of issues. Yeah. I have, I have, I have one, um, I won't say who, yeah, you won't. one student that was uh, a kidnapper, kidnapped victim yeah. that, shared during one of our sessions with me yeah their that person's experience and That's it affects terrible. them to the to to that day to this yeah. day yeah. and affects them in the classroom and teaching in that their reaction to 
failing or reaction to getting it wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh that we're talking gosh. about PTSD trauma. Yeah. So thank you. I don't want to end in a sad note. No, Sorry. We don't you, we were you such a great note. Note. But you know what, though? Oh. This is a deep... Something, you know what? I'm going to... I'm going to stop you there. Something to producer Lauren taught me. Yes. This is, this is this is what's so great. Because I've always been like the super positive person. Yeah. She says, sometimes you just have to sit with the negative emotions and be okay with that. She taught me that it's okay to be sad or angry or frustrated and not just push it away. Like, it's going to be okay. So Can we do that? We can do that with yeah. this podcast. Honor we can, of Lauren. We can, in honor of producer Lauren, we can say, we're going to end on a, a kind of deep, sad note. But but we're going to own it. But we're going to own it. Yeah. And we're going to own the fact that this is a serious conversation. And this is something that is the a plight of all language teachers. Mm-hmm. No matter where you are, you're going to encounter this type of learner somewhere in your career. Yeah. And when you do, you need to be prepared. Yeah. Because if not, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks and you're not going to know what to do. And yeah. teachers, for all of you who've never taught before, teachers feel responsible when their students fail. Yeah. Well, let's do it fast because I have a class actually in ah, one minute. Yes, you do. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to you. Yeah. And we'll share all our social media with you next time. We shared it at the beginning. We can get it at the next episode. But yeah. find us at translatethis-podcast.com on our website. You can get us there. Don't forget the com. And the dash. Yeah. All right. Th- thanks for sharing. Thank um, you, Richard. And Lauren, too. Um, great tip. Just yeah. a great episode. Thanks. I, I have these facts, but you guys put life into it. All right. Yeah. I love it. All right. All right. Okay. This was Translate This. Translate This. All right. See you next time. See you Bye. Next time.